sisters, and welcome to the show. This episode is brought to you by Pure Spectrum CBD. Sirak and I have been taking CBD, and we are loving it. I'm holding the tincture right now. Talin, can you open your mouth, please? Now? Yeah, I'm going to give you a dosage. <laughs> now, keep it there for 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. While she does that, let me tell you the great benefits of CBD for PCOS. Studies show it reduces cortisol, mm. improves insulin sensitivity, mm -hmm. reduces inflammation. Mm -hmm. You can go to PureSpectrumCBD.com now to order and use the code THESISTERHOOD, one word, at checkout for 20% off. Natalia, hold it for 30 seconds longer while the sisters enjoy the show. <laughs> Welcome to A Sister and Her Mister, a podcast where we show you the real behind the scenes of how we balance the PCOS lifestyle in our marriage, gluten and dairy free. I'm Talene, your fellow sister and registered dietitian. And I'm Sirak, husband, engineer, and PCOS personal trainer. We're going to make PCOS a little less overwhelming and a lot more fun. Welcome everybody to A Sister and Her Mister. It is episode 30, The Big 3-0, and today we have the author of the PCOS, or I'm sorry, the co-author of the PCOS plan on the episode. Her name is Dr. Nadia Brito uh, Pariguana, and she is a naturopathic doctor with a focus on helping people with metabolic syndrome, including women with polycystic ovary syndrome, PCOS. Um, and she helps them overcome infertility through dietary modifications. She is a graduate of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine and has been in cl clinical practice for more than 15 years. Thank you, Dr. Nadia, for joining us. And we're very happy to have you here. My pleasure. So uh, what, what motivated you to write this book, The PCOS Plan with Dr. Jason Fung? Uh, for those that don't know, Dr. Jason Fung has uh, multiple books on um, you know, obesity and many other related issues. So um, I think it's, it's great that you guys partnered up for this, for this book, The PCOS Plan. Well, that's a great question. It's, uh, I, I hope to not uh, talk too long, but I think that when Jason Fung invites you to write a book, you don't say no, you say yes, <laughs> you jump on it. So that's um, the most obvious. Um, he, he's a best-selling author. He's a New York Times best-selling author now. Um, and, and he has, I think, seven books. Uh, this was his I think seventh, if I'm not mistaken, to be honest. I, we, I went through this with him a little while ago. We did a, an interview together. Um, and so he invited me to write this book because we had already been working together for a few years. I work for the Fasting Method program with Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. I'm one of the uh, fasting coaches for that program and have been for a few years. I actually started in the clinics with them. So I was um, a very grateful and, and um, honored to work in the clinics right next to Jason Fung and Megan Ramos in, in Toronto, in Scarborough, Ontario, awesome. um, in the clinics, in the hospital. And so um, I think in, in 2018, he invited me and he said, hey, um, do you still want to write about PCOS? And I said, yes. He'd already written the obesity code, the diabetes code, the complete guide to fasting, um, the longevity solution. So when he asked, do you want to write about PCOS? Obviously that means that he thinks it's, he's a nephrologist, a kidney specialist, uh, oh. writing about women with PCOS. So obviously he thinks it's enough. Uh, it's a big, uh, deal. And so I was honored and I jumped on it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, they say that in some countries it's one out of five women could have PCOS. 
I've heard it's one out of ten in other countries, but yeah, in America it's one out of ten. Yeah, but I think in England it's like one out of five. Or yeah, something. yeah. I've heard so that. it's a it's a fortunately it's an issue that's being brought up to you know popular culture now. But before it was really not talked about for a long time. Or maybe one out of three. Yeah. One out of three. Wow, wow, I haven't heard that. That's <laughs> that's incredible. You like worldwide or? Well, here's the thing with PCOS because it's a syndrome. And the diagnostic criteria keeps changing. Uh-huh. So mm. you don't have the same diagnostic criteria. We write a little bit about that in the book. But what we know is it's the most common condition in young women. So whether it's 10%, 20%, 30% of women, it's a lot of women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I and mean, a lot of the symptoms uh, women experience through like teenager and through like college early years. Mm-hmm. So it's just right around that early, early yeah. time. Yeah. And it, it goes overlooked all the time. Mm-hmm. I know you had a kind of a traumatizing experience when you were first diagnosed. I read in your book about how you felt like the doctor um, just accepted that you were going to be obese and didn't even offer any solution or hope for um, change via lifestyle, you know, just medication. In fact, uh, I think it even goes further than that because at first he completely disregarded me for months. He didn't even want to look into what I was complaining about because I was thin. That was the first issue. He completely Uh disregarded me because I was thin. And it wasn't until, and I'm obviously, I'm a little bit more educated, I think. I was older, right? I was in my uh, uh, probably 30 at that point, 29, no, definitely 30, 31. So I was more educated, older, and I persisted. And because it was private care at the time, it was in South Africa, I could pay for it. And I insisted that I get tested for what I thought I had. And then it was like, oh, you have all three diagnostic criteria. In fact, you have the frank type of PCOS, even though you're thin. Uh, and I was very thin. I was actually under the BMI. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he basically walked me out the door. Well, you'll likely be obese by the next uh, time we speak then. <gasps> That's horrible to say. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, there's so much more to PCOS than, you know, being overweight. Obviously, there's people who are lean with PCOS. And just because you're lean doesn't mean you don't have the other issues such as, like, you know, like acne and infertility and many of the other symptoms. So yeah. that sucks that they only focus that you are not overweight just yet in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, so many- I think it's, it's what you said. It's, it's the most common condition, uh, endocrine condition in women, um, yet it's disregarded and it's misdiagnosed and it's mistreated. Because right, once so it is diagnosed, because it is now, as you, as you said, it's much more often diagnosed doctors are very aware of it. And I, by no means am I here to bash doctors. I work with doctors. I have uh, a great amount of respect and gratitude towards them for all that they're doing to change uh, convention. Uh, but there are a lot of misinformation, a lot of myths, especially about, well, about everything, but really about PCOS. What is it, what it isn't. And that's why we wrote this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most common myth that people are coming across when they go to the doctor's office? Um, the eat less, move more. Oh, you're yeah. overweight. Then you just have to reduce your calories and exercise more. And that's all that you can do. Uh, or that the solution then is depending on what your symptom is, let's treat each symptom with a medication. Mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to find the root cause and dealing with the root cause. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I read that you have insulin resistance and that's your root cause that you're treating through a low carb diet. Well, I had, that was many, many years ago. Uh So uh, you asked me this before, do I, uh, I I don't remember which one of you asked me, do I still have, do I still think I have PCOS? And, And I get asked this all the time. And no, I don't have PCOS. Why? Because PCOS is, as we said, a syndrome. And in order for you to have PCOS, you have to have certain diagnostic criteria, which I had. All of them, but if you reverse that, if you if you no longer have any of these clinical and diagnostic expressions, then you can no longer be diagnosed with a condition. Just like diabetes, we work with diabetics all the time who then are no longer diabetic. Why? Because their um, symptoms in labs uh, show normal uh, levels, and symptoms are normal. So then you can no longer diagnose that person as diabetic. So. A long time ago, I had PCOS. I do believe that insulin resistance is on a spectrum, just like PCOS. Right. You can reverse it, but I could build it up again. So I know better. I will, I will not go down that path again. And I know what to do to prevent that from happening. And I luckily for me, was lucky enough to reverse it. Interesting. So basically, like, it's not like there's a cure that's going to get rid of it forever. It's just that you were able to manage it so successfully that the symptoms went away and you basically don't have it at this point. But if maybe you went back to like whatever was not, was not right for your body, then it would come back slowly. Yeah. That's and, great. And I, I'm very aware of that because again, this is PCOS uh, uh, and insulin resistance is, well, insulin is basically, I always joke, it's, it's the grandmother of all these first cousins, right? Obesity, diabetes, PCOS, and all these other associated conditions. And they're linked together by insulin, hyperinsulinemia and insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So again, it's up on a spectrum. We know, as Dr. Fung would say, I know how to make you fat. I'll just give you insulin. <laughs> that's it. And I know, yeah. and that's it. If you, if, you, if you know somebody, whether they're a type 1 diabetic or type 2 diabetic who had to go on insulin or who was prescribed insulin, one of the first things that happens is they gain weight. And then as you help people get off insulin, they lose weight right away. Mm-hmm. So... That's what happens with PCOS, with obesity, excuse me. And then with diabetes, it's the blood sugars, right? And with PCOS, it's all of these conditions, all of these expressions that we know too well. It's the uh, male, excessive male hormone expressions. It's the cysts on ovaries. And then it's the uh, irregular periods or cycles of ovulation. And again, some women have a period. I actually had a period, but I had no ovulation. What's the point of a period if you're not ovulating? Mm-hmm. Um, Right. And, and, and especially if you're well in, in every way, I, I know you work with a, you, you speak to a lot of young women, which I think is great because that's the, the, the audience that we want to get this message out to, yeah. right. To, to uh, you don't want to work. You don't want to be giving out this message to the women that I mostly work with, which are women in their late thirties and forties trying to conceive after 10 years of trying to conceive and worse I have many uh, women that I work with because of obesity and diabetes in their 50s and 60s who were never able to conceive yeah. and didn't have this information then. And then this is not just about conceiving. I know a lot of PCOS women that did conceive like I did. It's all the complications, all the very serious pregnancy complications, all the very serious baby complications, and then all the associated conditions that come with this long term. Mm-hmm. I did have hypertension uh, with it. I 
did have so high blood pressure. I did have the diabetes. It did come. I did have the cancer. It did come. And, and a lot of other things, including the mood disorders. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. So as, as, as you said, and correctly so, and, if, and I know that you know this because although your audience is maybe a little bit younger, look at women, older women with PCOS. They have the obesity, the diabetes, the hypertension, the cancer, and the mood disorders. So Jason Fung wrote this in our book. If PCOS was just about a little bit of acne and a few missed periods, then it wouldn't be such a big deal. Although a little bit of acne and a few missed periods is very serious when you're that age. It was very serious for me. This is very right? interesting. I love yeah. everything so you're saying. It's all very serious. And yeah. we're uh, maybe being, not maybe, we are definitely being disregarded at my right. age at the younger uh, women that you're working with and then the postmenopausal women. So I'm, I'm nearly 43, so I'm right in the middle there. Um, luckily had my children, but if I didn't do what I did, I may not have had my children. Mm -hmm. And I today would definitely be uh, an obese woman with all of these conditions. I, I've been on diabetic medication. I've been on hypertension medication. I've, again, I've had the cancer. So and these are all associated. And this is, this is the, the links that we put together in the book. So it, I'm very happy that you are talking to these young women who maybe want to be thin and full of energy and have a good mood. Good for them. That's important. And that's what we want to help with as well. Yeah, I mean, right. we couldn't agree more. Like, you're totally right in reaching women like, at, at a young age so that when they go to the doctor, they, they are more knowledgeable about what to ask for and the, the advice they receive. You know, if a doctor tells you to take birth control and you don't know anything about it, you're more likely to take it. Yeah. But if you, like, listen to, you know, information about it, you know the pros and cons, and at least you can make an information that's educated for yourself mm -hmm. instead of relying on somebody else and then when it doesn't go your way then it's like it's a mess 10 years later yeah it's good to insist at a young age to understand what's happening and why you have acne why mm. your mood is like this why your weight is uncontrollably going up so that by the time you're 40 or 50 you don't have you know all of the things that you listed that pcos can snowball into yeah it's great. I love it. Not to terrify the audience. <laughs> not, not to terrify the audience. And I was just about to say something very positive. Uh, again, like I said, because of my age, I'm right in the middle. I'm very thankful for PCOS. Mm. I'm very thankful that I had PCOS. So because you were able to learn about your body and just overcome it? Is that why? Because of PCOS and my desire to have children, I was able to then get on this path of learning how to reverse insulin resistance and reverse all of these conditions. Had I not had PCOS and had I not been adamant about I'm going to have a baby and had I not had, luckily for me, I believe in karma, I always say this, had I not had the professional experience that I had with women in my, um, in my practice that had gotten pregnant miraculously after following a low carb diet for all those years that I didn't, I didn't make the link, I didn't care, I wasn't trying to get them pregnant, I was trying to get them to lose weight and I just so happened to believe in a low carb diet uh, even then. So as I said to you, this is going back 17 years already. And in the course of those first few years, I chose to, I, I personally didn't follow a low carb diet. I didn't feel like I needed to because I was so thin, but I found that that was the best dietary protocol for the, the, for my practice. And so uh, long story short, I explain in the book, 
sort of what the diets were, what I, I call, I had a base diet, which was very similar to what you guys were telling me about that you practice a gluten-free, dairy-free diet. And then I had these detoxes that I would throw in there. They were the low carb diets that I would call detoxes. So people would be willing to, people loved detoxes back then. Yeah, people loved detoxes. (laughs) I, I don't know that it's still like that, but I know back then this was the thing. So this is how I got people to lower insulin at the time. And so they would lose tons of weight and they would reverse all of these other health concerns. But then I was having people come to my office in their forties going, uh, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, so aren't you supposed to get pregnant? They're like, no, I had, I had tried to get pregnant for 10, 15 years. And I was never able to, I did IVF, I did whatever. And now I do this diet for three months and I'm pregnant. And I'm like, I have no idea. Don't know what you're talking about. Um, There's a sentence in the beginning of your book that says, be careful when you see Dr. Nadia, she'll get you pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And it was such a small community, tight knit community that that became known, even though I, that, that wasn't my intent. I wasn't trying to help women get pregnant then. Uh, But it was happening enough that I think it was also my audience. It just so happened that the audience of people that wanted to come to see me were women in their thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. I had other people as well, but there was an overwhelming number of people that age and, and who I didn't know, but had been trying to get pregnant. The great majority of these women had had PCOS and they didn't even know. Yeah. Had never been diagnosed or- Go ahead. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like they're, it's, sometimes they go through life and life is so busy. And then finally, when you're in your late 30s to 40s, you finally have time to kind of focus on yourself. And now like, oh, what can I do to improve? And it's like, it's almost like if you had started just maybe 10 years ago, it would have been a lot easier for that person. I think that's more what happens now. So this is why I'm saying it's so great that your audience is these younger women who are maybe not trying to get pregnant yet. And and likely because of how life is right now, they'll likely not think about children until their late thirties, early forties, like the clients that I see now. Mm -hmm. Um, But back when I started, that wasn't the case for the majority of people. It was people that had tried to get pregnant in their twenties and early thirties and didn't conceive. And then conceive much later. Because they, uh, their metabolic health improved, then their, their reproductive health improved. Insulin is a very powerful metabolic hormone that we know, right? It's behind diabetes and obesity. But now we know that insulin has a very powerful reproductive function in both men and women. Very powerful. Would you say that, so I read that 70% of women with PCOS have insulin resistance, like to some degree. And then there are some women that, you know, comment sometimes and they're like, well, what if you don't have insulin issues? And I'm, I'm hesitant to say, oh, okay, then, then you don't have insulin issues. Like, I feel like it goes under diagnosed. Yeah. yeah. And just the slightest bit of insulin resistance can impact all these symptoms. Is there a test maybe that, uh, someone who's not aware or they're on the, you know, middle line, they don't, they're not sure. Is there a test they can do? This is such a great question. And I knew you guys were going to obviously ask me that question because I hear this a lot. There's four types of PCOS I hear. This is not me saying this. This is what I hear. There's four types of PCOS. One is insulin resistance. One is adrenal. One is I don't know what. And one is I don't know what. You guys probably know this better than me. Yes. Inflammation and thyroid issues. And post pill. This is how we like to break it up. (laughs) Yes. And I'm going, I don't think so. I think there's... 
insulin resistance. And then it's behind all of these things. Because if you learn about insulin and the functions of insulin, then you understand how these are all connected. Right. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And I, and I heard you say that that's why I, otherwise I would have probably just let you let your audience read the book and judge for themselves. But look at adrenals, for example, of course, I know adrenals are important. You know, I know, but what's the biggest thing that maybe people don't know about adrenals, right? Adrenals are the glands that produce your stress hormones, right? Your, um, et cetera, and stress hormones. Everyone understands what that means. So what happens when you produce stress hormones, overproduce stress hormones, you have a higher insulin response to foods, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So you develop insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So again, the underlying issue might be adrenals. It might be whatever it is, but the, the, um, what's it called when it's the, the one just before right. the development of PCOS, insulin. <laughs> it's insulin resistance. All roads lead to insulin. I completely agree that the different types are paired often with insulin issues. Cause if you have inflammation, then you're insulin resistant. If you have adrenal issues, then your blood sugar is high. If you have thyroid issues, your blood sugar is uncontrolled and it's like all hand in hand. But I mean, we could get into that. Uh, I, I feel like we could have this. I would, I would love to have this conversation, but I don't want to derail, you know, the point, which is what's the solution, right? If the problem, if we know, and here's the thing that I also heard you ask me, which what's the test for insulin resistance. You can go out and test it. You can do a HOMA IR. You can look that up. Okay. And you can test it. But then you run into the issue that fasting insulin, the hormone is very volatile. Like it goes up and down. So some days you'll have a higher number, some days lower. And that happens with some people more, more pre-diabetics of the blood sugar goes up and down. Most of the time, if you're not pre-diabetic or diabetic, your blood sugar is normal because insulin is just, you're just pumping out tons of insulin to take care Mm -hmm. of that until the dam breaks. Then you're pre-diabetic or diabetic and it's there, but it came from just too much uh, insulin production, your body becoming insulin resistant, you know, what that means. And I think we, we explained that well in the book. What is hyperinsulinemia? What's too much insulin? And what is insulin resistance? And, and why, why does one cause the other, right? So I think that the important thing, to be totally honest, is to understand that. That whether you have or believe you have an adrenal type of PCOS or an inflammatory type of PCOS, if you understand that hormones communicate with each other, right? Because insulin is a hormone and all these uh, other things are hormones that we're talking about. Then you know that by treating insulin, by reducing insulin, you're going to resolve this issue. However, I do agree that in order, and so these are my five pillars and in my five pillars. So these are the five major factors for lowering insulin. Okay. Eating less often, eating earlier, Eating foods that produce less of an insulin response. And that's a big conversation in and of itself, but it's in the book, okay? And then stress and sleep management. If you don't sleep well, and if you don't have your stress well controlled, which again, is it's adrenals, okay? That means that you're going to have a higher insulin reaction and insulin response, and you're going to develop insulin resistance, okay? If you look at the three diagnostic criteria of PCOS, and it's in the book, Dr. Fung, Jason Fung, in the book, he's the one that wrote those chapters. He shows you it's there, point blank, how insulin is behind these three, the hyperandrogenism, the cysts, 
and the uh, irregular ovulation. It's, it's there, the science is there. Yeah. Anyone that understands science can see that. So it's not anything else. It's not cortisol that's causing it, it's insulin that's causing it. The high cortisol causes high insulin. Right. Yeah, and we, we always recommend that too for uh, any um, ladies that ask about acne or hair loss, any of those issues, we say first try to see or uh, try to improve your insulin resistance and see if that's what's causing the hyperandrogenism that's leading to your hair loss or acne or any of those issues. So we're totally in agreement there. I'm with you. <laughs> what are some of the ways in which you've helped your patients with treating insulin resistance? So our, our well, the, these five major things, right? We look at how you eat. So how often you eat, you eat and then diet, uh, which is what you eat and then stress and sleep management. These are the five major things that we focus on, but there's many other things, uh, of course. And I think that maybe some of the things that you guys do as well, but these are the five major things I look at. So we recommend a real food, lower carb diet and intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is the biggest thing in my opinion, now that I know what I know not just what you eat, but, but how you eat. Because yeah. if you can eat the, when people start to categorize foods as low carb, low this, gluten-free, dairy-free, um, low calorie, sugar-free, when you start to categorize things, you start to lose the importance of how you eat. You think, mm -hmm. oh, it's low this, so I can eat at 10 o'clock at night. Oh, it's low that, so I can eat 10 yeah. times a day. And ultimately, how you eat is gonna have a, biggest, a bigger impact on your insulin. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier um, about how, you know, going gluten and dairy free can help with insulin resistance. But if you're replacing those foods with gluten free cookies and, you know, gluten free Oreos, it's not going to really help with insulin resistance in general. And, and eating 10 times a day is not right. going to help. Yeah. And that's ultimately what we've been told, unfortunately, for the last 50 plus years, we've been told to eat. Uh, lower fat foods and to eat more often because somehow that's going to be great for our metabolism. And now we see what's, what, what, what has actually happened, right? 50 years down, 88% uh, of adults have metabolic syndrome, which is caused by insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really like, I feel like personally in the last 10, 15, 20 years, like the American diet especially is so revolved around sugar. And like, uh, we want to talk to you about this too and why, uh, you know, like we were talking about before the podcast, why eating low calorie is a myth. And many times, you know, um, you, were, you were mentioning that like advertising has made us believe that calories are what's important and that, oh, like you get 200 calories of cookies. But, you know, that's not the same as eating 200 calories of salmon because, you know, you're getting protein, healthy fats and so many more nutrients from that 200 calories. So... Um, and the same thing with soda, right? Like soda can has like 40 grams of sugar in it, just ruins your insulin right there. And um, yeah, maybe we should yeah. elaborate on that too. It's a great topic. Absolutely. So sugar, um, I think you said last 10, 15 years, it's probably a, a lot. So for me, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a little bit old older, right, than, than maybe uh, you guys and maybe your audience. It's, I grew up on sugar, tons of sugar. It was all over. Um, and that was Cereal. the age where it was yeah. okay for kids to drink soda. It was okay to eat candy all day long. Um, and even the generation before me that started, you know, my mother's generation. Um, and so I think, sorry. 
<laughs> McDonald's, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was like, whereas now, I think it's, I mean, I, I think for some it's worse, but for others it's better. People are more educated, right? I mean, I have children, uh, they're nine and six. Not to say that they have a perfect diet because they don't. In fact, my kids have metabolic syndrome because of PCOS. So this is why I talk so much about it. Um, oh, okay. Because of my PCOS, my children have metabolic syndrome. It's very obvious. Oh. However, I'm much more cautious and uh, conscientious, and so are my cousins and all of my friends and all the people my generation. We don't. Uh, we're a lot more cautious about what we give our kids. However, it's all over. It's a. It's a. It's a battle because yeah. of the advertisement, because of schools, because of parties, because of. Uh, it's just, it's all over. It's, it's a battle. It's a constant daily battle. Even if I don't send my kids things to school, which is our big problem, they get all of this junk at school all day long from their friends, from their teachers, from there's a party every day. It's not, yes. it didn't used to be like that. Yeah, I totally, yeah. totally agree. It's just like, it's everywhere. Goldfish crackers and soda candy as a reward. Like, ga like gator it's a Gatorade, Gatorade and things like that. For running. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It's just, it's, I don't know how you combat it's, that. <laughs> it's such an easy way. It's a cheap and easy way to make anything taste delicious, right? You don't have to try. You just add sugar, add some processing, whatever ingredients in there, and then boom, you add something delicious. No ingredient, no nutrients at all for most yeah. of them. And starting from such a young age and then becoming a teenager where all of these symptoms start to show up. It just makes your PCOS worse. It makes PCOS worse, the yeah. The insulin, especially, mm -hmm. insulin resistance, yeah. Well, the addiction is, uh, the, it's the biggest issue, right? Because by then, like you said, by the time they're teenagers, they're completely, my kids are completely, it's, it's hard to say because, I mean, it's a battle. Like I said, we spend the majority of our time trying to get them to eat uh, real food, um, but it's it's all over. And they're, they're, they, even if they're not physically addicted, they're psychologically addicted. Yeah. They yeah. want it. They want it. They want it. And, and they'll binge when they get it. Um, yeah. So yeah. again, it's, it's a challenging thing. But we're seeing metabolic syndrome, as I said, in little kids, not just teenagers anymore. We are seeing diabetes in little kids, not type one, type two, adult onset diabetes in little kids. That is crazy. Yeah. And little kids too, because you usually don't see that at a very young age. It usually happens later on. But well, now the usual has changed. The yeah. usual has changed a lot. And a lot of that, I'm a big, uh, this is, and there's a big portion of my book that talks about that, right? Because I want the younger women that are going through this. And it, I, I understand the audience is more about reproductive, you know, cycles and acne and, and all of that important stuff at that stage. But soon there's going to be the trying to conceive stage. Then yeah. they're done that. And then when that happens, the focus becomes, get pregnant. How do I get pregnant? You can get pregnant very easily if you have PCOS. Fertility treatments work very well. Even going on a little bit of a low carb diet, like I went on for a month or two works beautiful. You get pregnant right away because you ovulate right away. Yeah. However, even though they haven't ovulated uh, properly and everything is off for years, you go on a low carb diet and intermittent fasting in two or three months, you get pregnant. It's, this is how we, this is why this is so successful. This is why we're so successful. Mm -hmm. This is why we have all of these, uh, now we call them the fasting method successes or before used to be IDM success. And before that it was Dr. Nadia, don't go to her unless you want to get pregnant. <laughs> it's because it's that, it is that, that quick, that easy, but I don't want it to be that quick, that easy. 
I want this, as you said, to be a journey that you go on and before you get pregnant that you are healed. You do not want to get pregnant with PCOS. Yeah, because you're going to have even more issues during pregnancy, possibly, yeah. if you don't take care of those things. Gestational it's, diabetes. It's there. Read it. It's in. If you research this, and we did the job for you, it's in the book. Look at the studies. The percentage of women with PCOS with pregnancy complications, it's not just a little bit higher. It's significantly higher. Wow. Wow. Miscarriages, preeclampsia, pregnancy-related hypertension, gestational diabetes is probably the, the most. And then... All the other postpartum, um, I had postpartum depression, severe postpartum depression. I, I think it's related. And yeah. then you wow. have the kids. The, and the kids, the, the children to women with PCOS have metabolic syndrome as little kids and as adults. Yeah. yeah. And again, you know, you might have someone say, oh, my kid didn't or okay. But we're talking about a significant percentage. Just another reason why it's so important to start as soon as you can with healing your symptoms. You know, just make the rest of your life easier. Yeah. Yeah. Not just easier, but easier for sure. I mean, it's not an easy journey. Let's, let's, Mm -hmm. let's be honest, right? Those of us who have PCOS or had PCOS, we know it's not easy because the cravings, because the misinformation, the myths, Mm -hmm. constantly trying this and trying that and nothing working, right? So people lose hope. So it's not an easy journey. Right. Because, not. Sorry. Yeah. A lot of um, a lot of the things that can help with insulin resistance, like there's ins- there's fasting, there's a low carb diet, there's supplements, going gluten and dairy free. There are multiple ways to treat insulin resistance, but sometimes like one of them or two of them don't work for you and maybe another one will, but like you lose hope because it's so discouraging to fast or to go on this, you know, low carb diet Mm -hmm. and not see results or, um, to go gluten and dairy free and not see results, you know, and then you kind of give up and you say nothing works and then the symptoms snowball continually. And it's, it's such a psychological thing as well. Like you have to be really resilient and really research, you know, maybe a different type of fasting can work. Maybe a different carb range can work, or maybe you just need to be dairy free and not gluten free. Like you have to investigate your health on your own and be really strong willed or else, you know, kind of takes over. You have to make sure that what you're doing is actually lowering insulin. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. Right. Yeah. That a lot of these things might be helping symptoms and making you feel better, or maybe they're recommended for a good reason, but it's actually not helping to lower insulin. So the the condition is not going to improve. And then you give up on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I often say, because I'm a, I'm a coach, right? I, at this point, this is what I do for a living. I talk to people all day um, and coach them through the, this. And so I always go like this, keep your eye on the ball. When you get yeah. people trying to do 10 things at once and asking me in the same 20 minute call, they want to know about 10. I, I go, guys, <laughs> it's I like the insulin. That. It's yeah. the insulin. It's the insulin. It's the insulin. How do we lower insulin? We eat less often. We eat earlier. We eat certain foods and the list is there. You guys have mentioned a few things. Manage your sleep and stress. There's uh, very important stress management techniques. I'm not saying stop working, stop all stress. That's not what I'm saying. Manage stress, uh, manage cortisol, right? Sleep better, figure out how to sleep better and, and uh, lower your stress levels, okay? Lower insulin. Once you've done that, you can start talking about all these other things you want to talk to me about. Yeah. Keep your eye on the ball. 
Okay. You don't need to do 10 things. You need to focus on this. Yeah. 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 Focus on the fundamentals before you go on to the other things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of insulin too, like I know a lot of doctors recommend like metformin and we, we talk about on our platform that it's not your only option to treat insulin. And there are also, like you mentioned, natural ways to kind of help resolve that, but also um, there are natural supplements like inositol supplements. Uh, the one that we recommend is called Ovacetol. But do you believe that like inositol supplements can be just as effective as maybe metformin for insulin resistance? This is a tough topic for me because again, I, I'll, I'll end up going like this. Um, okay. <laughs> because I took metformin, so I'm not discrediting metformin. I think metformin right. is probably... Uh, and we talk about it in the book, Dr. Fung actually talks, uh, he's the one that talks about metformin and why it's recommended and why it makes sense that makes the conventional sense, medical yeah. doctor would recommend metformin. He or she has nothing else to give you except metformin. So then when you go outside of the conventional medicine and you go into uh, complementary medicine, then you guys have a good alternative. All right. Am I, am I saying that that's not going to help women? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, you got to keep Whatever it is going to make you insulin. You got to address your lifestyle. You got to address how you eat and what you eat. And I personally don't take any supplements right now. Well, I took, I take vitamin D and, you know, basic things. Uh, but it, it wasn't the, the metformin that uh, helped me. But actually the metformin did help me get pregnant <laughs> because yeah. it made my body more sensitive to insulin. I ovulated and I got pregnant the very next month. But what was the problem? I got pregnant with PCOS. This is why I wrote this book. So yes, you can take metformin if that's what you choose to do. Yes, you can take the supplements if that's what you choose to do. Because yes, they do uh, make your body more sensitive to insulin. But is it going to lower insulin? No. It's your diet. Yeah. Diet and lifestyle is where you have to start with. That's right. It's how you eat and what you eat. You understand what I mean? The supplements and the medication make your cells more sensitive to insulin so that your cells function better but it doesn't lower insulin. It doesn't take the insulin away. It's still there because of how you're eating and what you're eating. So if you're taking this Ovacetol supplement or if you're taking metformin and you're still eating, you know, a whole bunch of carbs and a whole bunch of processed foods and causing this high insulin reaction in your body, then none of these supplements are going to do anything or aren't going to have such a huge impact like getting you pregnant and so on if you're continually bombarding yourselves with insulin Mm -hmm. well and and probably what you you may notice and some of your young women might notice is that when they're low enough on the spectrum you you they probably do notice more of an impact using these supplements and the medication Mm -hmm. but the further up you go on the spectrum and unfortunately that's how it goes you're going to become you're going to produce more insulin you're going to become more insulin resistant then not only are these things not going to have such a big impact um, that, that's when people give up. That's when they say this doesn't work or it used to work and now it doesn't work well. Unfortunately, it worked for a period of time because you weren't as insulin resistant, but you will become more insulin resistant, unfortunately, because that's the nature of the beast. That's what this is. That's why they say that diabetes is a chronic progressive disease. Mm-hmm. It's only a chronic progress in, in PCOS, the same. It's only a chronic progressive disease because we're not telling people what to do. Uh-oh. Yeah, we're just handing out the medication or to take metformin or to take all these other uh, more symptomatic treatments. You're not treating the root cause. So it's going to progress. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. 
A lot of people do say like I took metformin the first time I had a child and then the second time I couldn't get pregnant yeah, even I though I took metformin and it's like like you said it snowballed your insulin resistance got worse and because then you, you can't look at it as the magic pill that's what got you yeah, there. Yeah. There's so much more behind it. Yeah, keep your eye on the ball. Make sure your insulin is managed. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, going away from like a diet for a moment, um could you also tell us the relationship between exercise and PCOS? Okay. We have a, I think, paragraph in our book yeah. about uh -huh. exercise. Is it a paragraph? I don't even it's know. Two short. paragraphs, maybe? It's no. short. Three. And again, like two pages. Uh, let's be very clear. And I, I say this, and it's, it says in the book, exercise is one of the best things that you can do for you, mm -hmm. everyone. Uh, yeah. And I would be in complete uh, looney tune if I told you otherwise. But <laughs> is exercise going to directly lower insulin? It is not. Mm -hmm. okay uh keep your eye on the ball this is all yeah, I have if say, you're just right? eating We're whatever here to talk about how to lower insulin but should you exercise 110 percent. you need exercise for proper stress management and sleep no doubt exercise becomes complicated when people don't know what to do with diet because they feel oh i'm hungrier or this and that and it's perfectly fine to be hungrier if you're exercising eat more just don't eat more often and that's if you understand this concept and if you understand hydration around exercise you can bring exercise into this beautifully and you should but exercise is not in these five pillars that i talk about because it doesn't directly impact insulin resistance and we wrote about that in the book and i know people will argue but go ahead and argue how what is how is exercise going to affect your liver and your ovaries which are the two organs that are being most affected here mm -hmm. so I don't need to say it again that I think exercise is probably one of the best things out there for overall health. All right. But we're talking about lowering insulin to reverse PCOS. Yeah. Right. I do know that when you work out and build muscle, like doing squats and things like that, and as you build muscle, you become more um, insulin sensitive and your cells are better at picking up sugar from insulin. Mm -hmm. But just to clarify to the audience, that's not going to stop your pancreas from pumping the insulin in the first place. And your diet is what's going to stop yeah. your pancreas from pumping insulin in the first place. And, and that's, that's an indirect effect to muscles, but not to your ovaries and liver. That's the issue. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when we talk about the hormones that most affect women with PCOS, we're talking about exactly the hormones that come from the pancreas, which is insulin, which then affect the hormones uh, that your, you know, the liver and the ovaries, and that, we talk about that, the sex hormone binding globulin, and then of course, the, the male hormones in the ovaries, okay? So exercise is not going to have an impact there. It will make your muscles more insulin sensitive and those other cells, yes, but it won't impact those two organs mm -hmm. directly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with our recommendation for, for women with PCOS, we recommend like doing more slow-weighted workouts. As Tali mentioned, it helps with um, insulin sensitivity because we believe like when you do really intense workouts like kickboxing or like doing intense cardio, it can have an impact on the stress hormones. And, and blood sugar and bl going and, up. Yeah. And you, you know what? I've noticed that myself. Again, I, I, I cannot say this enough and how important exercise is, in particular for women with PCOS because of the adrenals, because of the things that you just talked about with the insulin sensitivity and all of that. Um, but I, have, I 
myself have seen how certain exercises increase my uh, stress levels, my stress hormones, cortisol, and others help to lower it. So you do have to find the right uh, one for you individually. And I'm not an exercise expert. So whenever people start asking me about exercise, I refer because I think you need to find an expert. I think we all need a personal trainer, in my opinion. Um, CDEC, my PCOS personal trainer. <laughs> you're a mister, I know. And, and of course I do, because you need to find that individual thing that's going to work for you. Yeah. Yeah, I know, just right. aside here, I went to the gym, decided September 2019, it was going to be my muscle year and I was going to do this and that. And, you know, all in my husband was like, bad idea, bad idea. And then I hurt my back. Oh. And, and he's like, old lady at the gym should have, you know, should have gotten a proper, you know what I mean? Like you need, because it's important. I know how important it is for me to build muscle at this age, um, to continue to build muscle. So these are all very important things. So when I go like this, keep your eye on the ball, I'm not disregarding these things. I'm just saying you have PCOS, you need to lower insulin. And the best way to do that, or, you know, the two main ways to do that is to look at how you eat and what you eat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love these five pillars because it's so true. Like it's so you do the true. five pillars and everything outside is a, it's supplementary mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. I read that if you have like five hours less sleep in a week, you're 30% more insulin resistant. And that just goes to show if you get an insulin, um, fasting insulin test to see if you're insulin resistant or an insulin glucose tolerance test and you didn't sleep well the night before, like it could, or if you slept well for one night before, but usually you don't sleep well you know, it could alter the results and you could think you do or don't have insulin resistance. If you go on a trip, if you fly uh, from, well, now nobody flies anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when we fly again, you will, um, and I had this happen to one of my clients. He went to do his fasting insulin the day after a trip uh, from Australia to Canada and his insulin was through the roof. And of course it it lowered over time again. And he was freaking out because he thought, oh, you know, it got so much worse. And it's like, no, it's it's, it's a natural impact. So this is why I said that it's very difficult to test for insulin resistance because insulin is so volatile. Um, But but you're right. Sleep is a major, major thing, just like uh, stress. They're really the same. They have the same lack of sleep and high stress has the same impact on your adrenals. Mm -hmm. And uh, that in turn will have an impact on your insulin uh, production and insulin uh, resistance. Sleep is a huge thing because, for example, I sleep poorly. I have a terrible mood. My blood sugars go up. You know, this is because of my history. My husband sleeps poorly. He's in a great mood, but he gains five pounds. Oh. It impacts your metabolic syndrome. It impacts your insulin production. You might just express it differently. Because yeah, for years, my husband was... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't hear that. But when you have poor sleep, it even lowers your metabolism. So yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it, it 100% does. And then you, you, you go into fight or flight response and your insulin production is higher when you go to eat, right? Wow. And so for years, my husband was like, oh, you know, sleep doesn't affect me. It only affects... Uh, me right the crazy one but yet now we know oh it does affect you if that's why you tend to gain weight that's why he tends towards obesity whereas i don't i don't tend towards obesity but i see it in my blood sugars and my blood pressure he sees it on the scale yeah it's still you know the grandmother the insulin it's still the same yeah 
we, we had like an episode about sleep and we did some research on it and it was really scary like hearing all the different <laughs> impacts bad sleep has on not just for pcos but also like mentally like for like dementia and alzheimer's and like all these different mental um, illnesses that can happen over time if you have poor sleep forever you should look up if you're interested in that uh, topic you should look up um how insulin resistance impacts dementia and alzheimer's Oh, oh, he's okay. looked it up. Are you kidding me? He used to Much sleep. About insulin resistance. So. Oh, sorry. I thought you said sleep. No, sorry. insulin resistance impacts dementia. Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, you have to look it up. They're calling it type 3 diabetes. What? Type, type 3? So you, so you know how PCOS, at least we wrote this in the book. If you don't, if you, you can look it up, how it's called, it used to be called or is called or has been called diabetes of the ovaries, PCOS. So oh. now they're calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes. Look it up. Wow, I have to look into this. Yeah, this yeah. is a great. Look it up. It's oh. not my area. It's not my expertise. But there were some amazing people uh, looking into that and, and have written books and talk about it. If you look it up, you'll, you'll find uh, who I'm talking about. Okay. We'll okay, we'll that. definitely look into that. Yeah, this is, this is great. Eye opener right now. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we've kind of covered uh, the book in itself, but uh, Dr. Nadia, would you like to kind of um, tell us uh, just like a, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we go and then where we can find the PCOS plan so our readers can maybe buy it online or go to a physical store if there's one open right now? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So right now, I feel like I'm not sure where you can get the book except online for sure. Um, Amazon, amazon.com for you guys, amazon.ca in in. I know it's already uh, in Europe as well. I've had people in Germany get the book. And um, so online for sure, there is a paperback version. You guys, I think, got an advanced reader's copy from our, um, from uh, McKenzie and Grayston. What's the difference between advanced reader's copy and regular? I was really happy about it. I was like, we're we're the shit. No one can. We're (laughs) advanced. It's the exact same, but I think it's free. (laughs) But it's Uh. It's the same book. But it's free. It's free. It came a significant. You know, you guys got the book before I did. I got the book. Oh, oh, really? uh, Less than a week ago. The first time I had the book in my hand was on Sunday. My mother shipped it from Canada. I live in Europe. I live in Portugal. My mother shipped it. Uh, She had somebody because we couldn't get things across. So they couldn't get a book to me. Uh, But anyway. Uh, here we are. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it, I think, Barnes and Noble and other uh, online sites. And yes, I think a lot of bookstores. Gray, if you go to Greystone's uh, Greystone Books, uh, that's our publishing company. If you go to their websites, I think that they're really um, pushing and encouraging people to go to black-owned uh, bookstores and um, oh. you know indie bookstores and things like that. So mm-hmm. you don't have to get it on Amazon. You could definitely do a little okay. bit of research and find some local businesses and help um, uh, communities. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, we'll, we'll link. Yeah, and we'll, we'll link them. Yeah, we'll link them in the next several weeks, especially when this episode comes out. We'll link it so that the sisters listening they can you know go ahead and um, purchase the book wherever they uh, prefer from, and you know. Yeah, I think it's a great book for a lot of uh, women sisters out there to learn and to get more knowledgeable about PCOS and know the right, as uh, Dr. Nadia mentioned, the five pillars focusing on the right things instead Mm -hmm. of the the things that are more supplementary. So exactly. Great conversation with you, Dr. Nadia. Thank you for joining us. And we hope to have you back on very soon. My pleasure, guys. Thank you so much.
Of course. Thank and you. Thank you to everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come check out The Sisterhood. It's my monthly membership site where sisters just like you are learning how to move through the stages of PCOS. From stage one, cold and alone at the doctor's office, to stage five, nailing the PCOS lifestyle, gluten and dairy free. Get ready to finally feel in control of your body again. Sisterhood.